0: human clinical sexologist accredited sexuality educator madonna whore cis woman queer friend employee business owner feminist advocate the list goes on hi at the heart of it all i'm Karen bradfield and welcome to my podcast messy hats i'm going to go ahead and guess that you wrote really positive words that you wanted them to, in adulthood, have healthy relationships, to have pleasurable sexual experiences, to be safe and confident in their identity and their worldview. Those are the things that, regardless of what kind of family or what kind of um, other kinds of things that are going on, it's those values that we have to be clear about. And so when we get to this first thing of why does it feel so hard, it feels so hard because it's a new skill. But it feels so hard because it's a new, school, new skill that we don't spend a lot of time thinking about, well, what is it that we're trying to achieve by this conversation? What values do we want to embed in it? And what's actually the goal of this? Because we teach our kids lots of stuff. We teach them how to cross the road. The goal is so they don't get hurt crossing the road. We teach them how to clean their teeth. The goal is so that they have good health practices and they know how to look after their teeth. So what are our goals around sexuality? but it feels much harder because nobody spoke to us about it. And it's a topic that's surrounded in all this taboo and mystery and shame. And that shame we learned from the way that people spoke to us about sex and sexuality or didn't speak to us about it. And they learned it from the way their caregivers did or didn't speak to them about it. So it's this thing that we pass on through generations around, it must be shameful. Don't talk about it. And shame is such a heavy emotion. It's, I think when we think of shame, it already, our body language drops. And if I said to you now, think about something really shameful that you've done and now type it in the comments box to share with everybody, that feels awful. The thought of having to feel something that we already, to share something that we already have shame around is a really big barrier. And that is why this feels so hard, because we got taught that it was something we weren't supposed to talk about. And raising sexually safe and healthy children takes courage. And it's a huge congratulations to everybody who's watching the webinar to take that first step and say, I actually want to break that generational cycle. I want this to stop with me and my children, and I want to raise children that are comfortable talking about this stuff, that believe they have a right to safe and pleasurable sexual experiences, because somebody has to stand up and make that change. And that's really what I'm passionate about. It's what I want to help people to do, because otherwise we keep not talking about it, and then we don't move forward. I guess to break it down a little bit more, some, some I've sort of touched on. This one is pretty common. I think quite often parents ask me some version of this. I'm worried if I talk to them about it, they'll go out and do it. I'm worried that if I tell them about it, they'll get ideas. Or one that I hear quite a lot is that I've got one of those naive kids. And I absolutely know the kids, that you mean. Sometimes I go into a classroom and it's an entire class of naive kids. Sometimes you get a class of really worldly kids. But I guess the thing about this is that we have to be really careful not to equate innocence with safety. Because unfortunately, what we do know from the evidence is that the more naive kids are also more vulnerable. So again, it's going back to those values that you wrote down in the previous activity and thinking, actually, what do I want? I would rather have these uncomfortable conversations and maybe risk my child having a bit too much information rather than pretending it's not happening and actually just teaching them shame and secrecy. So we really want to be thinking of it in that way. We also know from the evidence that the more information that people are given about anything, driving a car, doing a job, cooking in the kitchen, the more information, knowledge, skills we give them, the better they do it, the safer they do it, the, you know, the more likely they are to wear oven mitts when they use the oven. And it's the same for young people and sexuality. If we teach them about it, the research actually shows that they delay their first sexual debut. So we used to call that losing their virginity, that they actually start having sexual activity much later, that they're more likely to use contraception and barrier methods. um, And also that they do make healthier relationship decisions and tend to um, have sexual activity in the context of a longer or long-term relationship. So again, going back to those values, around your family, even if your family value is that people should only have sex within marriage, you wanna give people the information now because it actually increases the likelihood that your young person is gonna understand that decision and be able to make better decisions for themselves. (music) The other thing about this is that Kids already know about sex and sexuality. So just because you're not talking to them about it and they're not asking questions, don't think that that means they don't know anything about it. You want to know who's told them that and you want to know what it is they already know. And we'll get to that a little bit more. So another barrier is that parents are often worried that they won't know the answer. And this one, I, I do absolutely empathize with them a parent myself, but I also think, and I do say this to parents when they say, what if I don't know the answer? The response to that is, but that hasn't stopped you before. And I remember really clearly as a kid asking my dad, why is the sky blue like people do? And he said, it's blue because the colour reflects off the water. I believed that until Google was invented. You know, not knowing the answer doesn't stop parents from Saying something. Um, I'm not saying that you should make up answers around sexuality, but I'm saying that you shouldn't let that fear be the thing that holds you back. That you actually have a really great opportunity to just be honest and actually say, you know what, I don't know the answer. Maybe we can go and find that out together. You also need to think about this as what are you trying to teach? It's actually those values, not the ins and outs of sexuality. So If a child says to you, why is the sky blue? You can say, I don't know, but gee, I enjoy looking at it. I think the outdoors is amazing because you've actually passed on a value about how you find joy and what you love about this world. And you've admitted that you don't really have the answers. And sexuality is the same. It's not having to explain everything in really minute detail. It's an opportunity to share what's important to you about those things. This is the main one right and we touched on that before why is it so hard to talk because nobody told us and we carry all this kind of stuff inside and it's you know maybe somebody told you that your body wasn't normal maybe you were told not to masturbate while a sibling of a different gender was allowed to see the value that's woven in that around people's bodies you know we learn this embarrassment we inherit the shame And then we add to that that many of you might be survivors of trauma yourself, and that does make it complicated. It's the secrecy and shame of that as well that's so hard to overcome. So we want to be really chipping away. And if we go back to what I said before, you know, share something shameful you've done, it's hard to think I have to put this whole story out there. But tell me one word related to that. Now tell me another word. And when we start to chip away at it, and the reaction to that is not shock and horror, when people actually listen and don't judge us, that's when all of those layers of shame and secrecy. And it's exactly the same with sexuality education. And this one is we think somebody else is providing it. I guess we're in a bit of a unique situation now too around schooling, but schools do and don't offer it. Sexuality education is certainly a compulsory Part of the Australian curriculum, it's woven into the HPE stream, um, and that's from year prep to year 10. It's also part of 21st Century Skills in 11 and 12. But schools teach it by delivering one hour a year, if that. So imagine a letter came home from school tomorrow saying, actually, we've decided we're going to teach spelling and maths, but only for one hour a year. What does that set young people up for by the time they finish grade 12? Because it doesn't set them up for the world that we live in. And again it's about sexuality education and saying where do we want them to end up and how do we walk back through that process and what do we need to be doing now and i just love this quote because if you aren't talking you're the only one who isn't we don't live in a vacuum So if we're silent, that cacophony of voices that's sending all those other messages about relationships and sexuality is louder than you. You don't have to shout them down, but you absolutely need to put your voice at the table and at least bring some balance to the conversation that your young people are having. So on your piece of paper now, I'd like you to take another moment and I just want you to write down Where do you think that young people, or so your children or young people in general, are getting education about relationships and sexuality? And I guess just to kick you off too that I've written down as examples are their peer group and billboards on the M1. So have a bit of a brainstorm and think of all those things that might be sending messages about relationships and sexuality. As you write that list down, look at the values that you wrote up above it on that piece of paper. Are they the those values what's being taught by those things you're writing down now? Does the billboard on the N1 reinforce your values for your family? Is the peer group on the playground reinforcing your values for your family? And I think that does really show how important it is as parents and carers that we bring our voice of some form to the table. And of course, the internet has a voice. Um, The internet's a really great tool. You know, We're on it now. There's lots of people transitioning their work to it. And I really like this because quite often, I'll go on the internet and just Google things that are pretty much the words that young people use when they're talking to me in class. Um, And when will my doodle grow? So that's a pretty common question that I get asked. Lots of young people don't know that a doodle is called a penis. So they would type this in. And thankfully, the internet is telling me that my doodle will grow in the first six months of life, which is very exciting. Uh, So you can see that it is, you know, it's partly health literacy. It's media literacy. It's not just sex. And so another question that I quite often get asked by parents is, how do I get started? And the answer to this one is that you already have, you've already been teaching your children lots of great things about their bodies, about life, about relationships. So we need to really stop thinking, oh my goodness, I haven't done anything at all. Now it seems like this huge thing and actually looking at all those little wins you've already had, all the things you've done as a parent and carer that actually already supporting sexuality education. And a really important part of that is to just fundamentally shift what we think sexuality education is and what we think sexuality is. I very rarely use the word sex and, and people who have heard me speak or follow me on social media will realise that the word sex is not, uh, does not appear very often. And the reason is that sex is a largely redundant term. It relates to maybe what kind of biological genitals people have, and maybe putting a penis in a vagina. But it's sexuality is this huge breadth and depth of things. And when you look at that list there, you've already taught your children lots of things about that list. The second thing that we need to do to get started is to take off our adult lens. Because when we look at sex and sexuality through the eyes of an adult, A, we see it as something shameful if that's what we've been taught. But we also kind of see that (laughs) <laughs> the, the more, I guess the more dirty side of it, that it is actually this kind of exciting and pleasurable thing that maybe it's a little bit hard to explain to kids. We don't need to explain that to kids. We need to see what sexuality is through kids' eyes. And I want to give you an example of the pleasure one because it just, it absolutely made me giggle. It was probably about a month ago and I was walking down the street and it was one of those really windy, warm days. <laughs> and there was this little kid and he must have been about three and he just stops in the middle of the footpath and closes his eyes and throws his head back and then just pulls his t-shirt up over his head and is just squealing in delight at this warm breeze just buzzing all over his body (laughs) it's just the cutest thing but that was pleasure That was absolutely pleasure. That was a teachable moment about pleasure. That was a person experiencing pleasure in their body. And that was a person who was being really present. And that's probably one of the things that adults struggle with a lot. And I've seen that in my practice as a sex therapist is really people will quite often come along like all of us do. And so I'm having problems with arousal. I'm having problems with my libido. I'm finding it difficult to orgasm. And when I say to people, how else do you experience pleasure in your life? Quite often people can't answer that. And that might be something for you to have a think about or talk about if you've got a partner. What other ways do you experience pleasure that have got nothing to do with sex? When was the last time you felt that warm breeze and pulled your top up and just let it take over your body? Um, Because those are the experiences that are really setting up the foundation for healthy sex lives and healthy sexuality. So teachable moments, I kind of just touch on them there. And they're a really good way to get started because they're nice and easy. And again, it's, if we're clear about what it is we're trying to teach, these become much easier. And I guess if we think about that example of the little boy pulling his top up, the parent just stood there and waited. And that was great because it just let the child revel in it. There was no need to put a value on that. But a parent could also have said, oh, don't be so stupid, we've got to go. And that kind of sends the message that maybe pleasure isn't important, that maybe we shouldn't do those kinds of things that let our bodies experience joy and sensation. Uh, So it is really being clear about what are we trying to communicate and just being a little bit more aware of that. I've just put some examples down around what are teachable moments. There are always teachable moments and there is a downloadable worksheet on the Open Book Project website. uh, So you can download that for free and just have a bit of a read through. I love Riverdale, bit of a confession. Um, I just think it's a great show because it's bad, but also because there's so many teachable moments in it. And especially if you've got adolescents in your house, um, there's so many teachable moments in that ranging right from an example that I give in the worksheet is, why don't they look like teenagers? And why are they so sexually active? Right through to the different kind of peer dynamics that happen, um, the different judgments that are made about people's sexuality. So it's looking at that richness in our world. Don't be afraid to ask your child how they think babies are made. Um, And I kind of challenge you to do this because the answers are fascinating of how they actually think that happened. And I guess this is where we've got the advantages as parents and carers. If we have got our fear hat on and I say to you, go and ask your child how you think babies are made, your fear hat's gonna go, I could never do that. What if they wanna know how the penis goes in the vagina and all this stuff happens? And then you take your fear hat off and go, My four-year-old is not gonna turn around and go, why, how do you think babies are made? And ask for more information. They just don't. So it is about this talking to your child the way you normally talk to your child. You've got this. It's you talk to them in age appropriate ways all the time and have been doing since they met you. So don't be afraid of asking these questions because you will really learn a lot about what it is that your child knows. Well, that's all for today's episode of Messy Hats. Thank you for listening as I've taken the first steps in sorting through the pile of Messy Hats. Join me every fortnight as I talk about vulnerability, authenticity, radical intimacy and the experience of our sexuality. Make sure you subscribe to the Messy Hats podcast so you never miss an episode and if you haven't already stop by goldcoastsexology.com.au for more discussions, training courses and resources.